Hello, and welcome to Equipping the Saints. I'm Ryan, and thank you for joining us today. We're going into our second week of studying the state of theology, which is, if you didn't get the first episode, is a survey that is done every two years by Lifeway and Ligonier Ministries to see what the current climate is in the spiritual world when it comes to evangelical Christians. Does your average Christian believe what they're supposed to believe? And so they surveyed thousands of evangelicals across the United States with true and false questions related to theological doctrines and such, and got the current results for where we are, and it's not looking very good. So we decided last week we were going to do it ourselves and see where we stand. So just like we did last time, I will give you the question. We will think about it for a second. Then we're going to go straight into the scriptures and see what the scriptures say about it. And then we'll decide if the statement is true or false. And then I'll tell you how many of your peers believe the same thing. So let's continue with the survey at hand. Number one. The Holy Spirit can tell me to do something that is forbidden in the Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. So what would we think about it at this time? Would we say that that is accurate, or is that false? That is false. The Holy Spirit would never lead you to speak against himself, because again, the Holy Spirit is God himself, and God does not lie. God does not contradict himself. And like it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33, God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. So no, the Holy Spirit would never tell you to do something contrary or forbidden in the Bible. So how many of your peers believe the same thing? The good news is that 62% of believers think this is also a false statement, which is good. However, we still have 38% either don't know or think that the Holy Spirit can override the Bible. The Holy Spirit made the Bible, and he wouldn't contradict himself. That's relatively two-thirds of a congregation of people are correct, and one-third are not. So that's still a lot of people that don't agree with what the Bible actually says. Number two. Everyone sins a little, but most people are good by nature. Romans chapter 3, verses 9 through 18. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all, for we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. As it is written, There is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. 
There is none who does good. There is not even one. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues they keep deceiving. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths, and the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. So based on what we just read, is this statement true? Most people are generally good. This one is false. Because according to what we just read, God's perfect standard is that there is no one who is righteous except Jesus Christ. And so, apart from God, our hearts are nothing but evil continually. We are capable of good things here and there, but overall it is not seeking what God wants. So, we are more evil than anything. So, how did your peers do? This one was probably one of the most disappointing ones that I read. Because 28% of Christians understand that this is a false statement. Which means that 72% of people who go to church today think that people are generally good. And that is wrong to think. Because as we just read, there is no one who does good. Not even one. Number three, even the smallest sin deserves eternal damnation. Galatians chapter 3, verses 10 through 14. For as many as are the works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. Now that no one is justified by the law before God is evident, for the righteous man shall live by faith. However, the law is not of faith. On the contrary, he who practices them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree in order that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. James chapter 2, verse 10. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, he has become guilty of all. So based on what we read, is this a true statement? The answer is true. Even the smallest sin deserves eternal damnation, separation from God. Think about it like this. God is not a public school teacher who grades on a curve, you know. He doesn't tip the scales or show favor against anyone. Everyone falls under the exact same standard. So we are called to be perfect, right? Like we had discussed last week. So even if we fail to keep one of his commands, then there are several in the Bible, then we are guilty of breaking the entire law, and we are cursed. But thanks be to God that Jesus Christ saved us, and he is able to save those who have not been saved yet. Number four. 
God counts a person as righteous by faith in Christ alone, and not in works. Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 7. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not on the basis of deeds, which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we have been made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So based on this, would we say the statement is true? The answer is true, and in, this is evangelical Christians talking. Because if I were to ask a Catholic, can you be saved by your works? Yes, you could be, because you have to do all of them. You have to do the works, you have to do the traditions, you have to do the rituals, and you have to believe. But we are not talking about Catholicism here. We're talking about what the Bible says. And the Bible clearly says that only faith in Christ alone is sufficient. Number five. Everyone is born innocent in the eyes of God. Romans chapter 5, verses 18 through 19. So then, as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, even so, through one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men. For as through the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one the many will be made righteous. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 3 among them we too also formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Psalm chapter 51, verse 5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. So can we say that everyone is born innocent in the eyes of God? The answer to that is false. We are born into a sinful nature that we unfortunately inherited from our ancestors, Adam and Eve. So because of that, we are in a state of decay, we're in a state of corruption, in a state of death. And there's nothing good in us. And so unfortunately, we are not innocent in the eyes of God. Now, God does give one exception to that, in that those who are not old enough to understand their salvation, what we call the age of accountability, we hold to the belief that God saves little children that are not yet ready to understand the gospel. So praise be to God for that, especially when it comes to ideas of abortion and all that. Thank God for that. Number six. The Bible has helpful accounts and stories, but it is not literally true. Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 21. Therefore, just as through one man, 
sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. But on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression, resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions, resulting in justification. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So then, as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, even so, through one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men. For as through the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one the many will be made righteous. The law came in so that the transgression would increase. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So based off of this, can we say this is a true statement or not? This statement is false, because the Bible is literally true. The reason I picked this one is because Paul is talking about Adam, and Adam is a real person. And so the Bible is full of actual historical events that actually that God uses to teach a spiritual lesson. So we can't just say that this is just a book of stories. It is literally true. Number seven. The Bible is 100% accurate in all that it teaches. John 17, verse 17. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5. Every word of God is tested. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. So based on what we read and what we already know about the Bible, is this statement true, that the Bible is 100% accurate? And the answer is true. It is completely accurate. Because again, remember what we read in 2 Timothy chapter 3, that the entire Bible is the inspired word of God. In the literal Greek, it is God-breathed, that word inspired. It's actually the term God-breathed. And so everything is breathed out by God, and everything that God is is truth. So therefore, everything that's in the Bible must be true. 
So I realized as I was doing this that I had not been telling you what our peers had been thinking about this along the way, and I apologize for that. So let me go back a little bit and see what they said. So everyone sins a little, but most people are good by nature. Staggering, 66% agree with this statement, that people are good by nature, and that is not what the Bible says. The statement that even the smallest sin deserves eternal damnation, 70% say that it is not true when the Bible says clearly that it is true. We just don't like it. The statement that God counts a person as righteous only by Jesus Christ, 57% agree. So a little bit more than half, but that means the other half do not agree with that statement. And that's not good. Everyone is born innocent in the eyes of God, 79% agree with this statement. That is huge, that everyone is born innocent in the eyes of God. And that is not what the Bible says. The statement that the Bible is not literally true, 53% believe that the Bible is not literally true. And that is terrible, that more than half of the Christians in church today do not believe that the Bible is literally true. A statement that the Bible is 100% accurate in what it teaches, 51% agree that it is 100% accurate, but that means the other half do not believe it's 100% accurate, that it has errors or contradictions in it. So again, I apologize for missing that part, but I got us caught up to this point. Number eight, modern science disproves the Bible. There are numerous portions of the Bible that show that the Bible is scientifically accurate and well ahead of its time, actually. But there are several places where we can find this, but for example, one would be in Psalm chapter 19, verse 1. The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. And then it describes in verse 4, the path of the sun. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their utterances to the end of the world. In them he has placed a tent for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. It rejoices as a strong man to run its, his course. Its rising is from one end of the heavens, and its circuit to the other end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. There's many places in the Bible that are like this, that we can find this. Based on what we read, is this true? The answer is false. So, God reveals himself, like we saw in Psalm 19, he reveals himself through nature and through his creation, but we also establish that God cannot contradict himself. So, we cannot say that science contradicts the Bible, since he is the one who invented science. So, he is the one we should defer to for understanding science, because he's the one who is the source of it. God chose the people he would save before he created the world. 
Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will. This is one sampling of it. There are many others, especially in Peter, that talks about this as well. So based off of this, is this statement true? This is true. Before he created anything, God predestined every Christian to salvation. He picked who he was going to save well beforehand. We do not have the ability to save ourselves. Jonah also said it best in Jonah chapter 2, verse 9, Salvation is from the Lord. So we can't save ourselves, nor can we just reach a level of enlightenment, but salvation is from God. And I said I wouldn't do it again, and I did. I forgot to mention where our peers stand in believing on science. 40% of Christians believe that science disproves the Bible. So more than half believe that it's not true, but 40% believe that science proves that the Bible is wrong. Now as for predestination, 30% agree that God chooses the people he saves, which means that 70% don't. That's really sad that 70% of Christians don't believe that God predestined people to salvation. All right, and the last one for today. Hell is a real place where certain people will be punished forever. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to pits of darkness, reserved for judgment. Revelation chapter 20, verses 7 through 15. When the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together for the war. And the number of them is like the sand of the seashore. And when they came up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city, and fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are also. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them and they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Based on what we read, is hell a real place? Yes, it is. 
Hell is a real place. And believe it or not, Jesus himself talked about hell more than he did about heaven. And he mentioned many times, especially in the book of Matthew, about what hell was like and the reality of it. So, it's important to understand that there is a real place called hell, because if we don't think there is a punishment at the end of this, then there is no consequences for doing anything evil or good in this world. So, if there are no standards, then we can do whatever we like, right? But there are standards, and there is a truth of heaven and a truth of hell. And we have to keep that in mind, and we have to preach those very things. Not necessarily be a hellfire sermon person, but we need to definitely talk about the reality of hell. That hell is not what is depicted in the movies. Hell is not an eternal drinking party, or an eternal heavy metal concert, or whatever it tries to depict it as. It is the worst possible place in the entire existence we have to be. And we don't want to look forward to go there, because you will be tormented day and night, forever and ever. And as Christians, that should scare us to try to save people from that fate. So certainly, we should open our mouths more about the reality of hell. But how do our peers feel about this? 60% of Christians believe that hell is a real place. But this also means that 40% of Christians don't believe that hell is a real place. So we have a lot of work to do on getting everybody on the same page. We'll go ahead and stop here for today. We have one more time to talk about this with the final 11 questions. But we'll go ahead and stop for today and process what we've learned so far. Hopefully you've gotten everything right up until this point, which means you're right on track. And if you've gotten anything wrong, don't fret. There's always a chance to learn. And with this knowledge comes the responsibility of not only speaking the truth, but we have to live in light of the new truth that we have. But that's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.